Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. ThatCast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast Podcast Network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg, and I feel like we've got uh, another great show coming your way this week, following just a, a tremendous stretch of Beaver sports. Men's basketball. Got a big split down in Los Angeles. Well, baseball, softball, women's basketball, wrestling, and, and gymnastics all went undefeated last week. I'm not sure how many times that's happened in Oregon State history. If my math is correct, I believe that's a 14 and one combined record for all the programs. Not not too shabby. We'll we'll talk more about both basketball teams later on in the show, but I want to get right to this week's guest. Oregon State Baseball Director of Player Development, Tyler Graham, who who is one of the most important behind-the-scenes people in the entire program. Graham is a, a former Major League Baseball outfielder who played for Oregon State from 2003 to 2006. Uh, he helped lead the Beavers to a pair of Pac-10 titles, two College World Series appearances, and Graham also famously caught the final out that clinched the 2006 national title, which was Oregon State's first Graham has become a huge proponent of meditation over the past few years and has worked extensively with several players on on the mental end of the game. Like, for example, did, did you ever wonder why Kevin Abel started pitching like an ace toward the end of last season? Well, Graham, Graham was a big reason why. And Tyler Malone, Trevor Larnick, and many others began performing at a higher level uh, once they got under the tutelage of Graham who was kind enough to sit down with me at Goss Stadium and, and tell his story. We'll, we'll get to Tyler here in a second, but first uh, I want to tell you guys about thatcast.com. You can find my podcast plus many others ranging from prep sports to culture and more on the site. Uh, the Beaver Buzz podcast is also available on iTunes and Spotify, so please subscribe, rate, and review. And now let's go ahead and bring on Tyler Graham. I love coming to Redline because I like working out with kids, unlike other gyms where there's a bunch of big dudes slamming weights and stuff. And also, it's just a really good workout. Come down and join the Redline team here in Clackamas online at redlineathletics.com. Want to grow your money and avoid pitfalls in financial planning? Check out Chuck Price and Investing Simplified. Find it and other shows on the ThatCast Network, thatcast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, it's Tuesday afternoon here at uh, Goss Stadium, and we've got something uh, resembling sunshine. Uh, eight no Oregon State uh, will be hosting West Virginia this weekend to kick off its home slate. And with Beaver Baseball returning to the Willamette Valley, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Tyler Graham to the program. Tyler is the Director of Player Development for Oregon State. So, Tyler, uh, thank you so much for hopping on with me. Thank you, Bob. It's good to be here. Um, kind of same weather as, as Arizona. <laughs> Chilly back at Goss, and uh, the kids are ready to go. Yeah, so, Tyler, this is your, your 
third season as the player uh, director development, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, so what what all exactly does uh, director of player development? What all kind of does that title encompass, and what all kind of do you do uh, with you know w- with with the baseball program? You know, it's a lot of the life skills, um, helping them deal with stuff off the field, um, just experiences that you know us as players have been through, and and we try to. Um, try to give them as much information as possible of, of dealing with with failures and then how to get through certain things that uh, maybe they're not familiar with because uh, myself included uh, with all the other coaches have been through uh, the ups and downs of of not only a baseball season but uh, just just the the grind the everyday grind of, of what we have to experience on a daily basis with uh, managing you know our schedule with mm-hmm. uh, with school and uh, with family, relationships, and uh, obviously being able to get our work in um, as far as is, is hitting and, and getting our, our physical stuff done and our, our mental work done. Um, it's just kind of giving them a, a plan to, to get through all those type of things and, and to be successful. And like I said earlier, uh, Beavers are 8-0 entering this weekend's home opening series with West Virginia. Friday's opener is scheduled for 5.35 p.m. first pitch. And we could get some snow during the game, which might things make things a little bit interesting, but we'll see how that, that all goes. Does it come as a surprise at all to you that, you know, Case retires, uh, six guys leave for the draft, but this team just, you know, keeps plugging along and, and piling up some close wins, a couple beatdowns as well down in Arizona. Just it sounded like it, it was typical Beaver baseball down there. You know, absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of kids that that are very talented that might not have got a chance last year because we had a we had a pretty set lineup of some veteran guys that had been in the program for a while. Um, but when you develop a culture that we have at Oregon State, I think it's just a lot easier for for the guys behind. Um, you know, maybe the bigger names uh, to step in and, and to kind of do the same thing. Um, they've they've been around some really good coaches and some really good players ahead of them uh, to learn from. And, uh, you know, our guys are always ready to step up uh, when their name is called. And I think that's just a, a tribute to the culture that that we have here, that Case has built and uh, that we're going to continue to uh, to exemplify in the years to come. So as a Montana native, played high school ball there, how how did you end up at Oregon State? Because you you must have had a pretty interesting recruiting story. I I don't think, you know, too many major league guys come out of Montana. So how, how did you end up coming out here? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the recruiting thing is a lot different now um, than it was when when I was in high school and and Gippy was in high school and Jenks was in high school. Um, shoot, we got recruited our our senior year, and I think if 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 that was the case now, kids are getting recruited at 15 and 16 years old. So I I wouldn't even had a chance to come here if if it was. Uh, if it was in today's game, if I was, if in, in today's, today's world. So I feel pretty lucky about that, but it was, uh, Dennis Erickson was the head football coach at Oregon state when I was here and his nephew was Todd Barber was the head baseball strength coach. Um, both Montana guys and mm-hmm. family friends and, uh, Dennis and Todd talked to coach Casey and to coach Spencer. And, uh, they ended up coming out to watch me in a American Legion game. Um, during the summer when I was 18, it was after my senior year, um, and the rest was history. I, I played one game in front of them, and luckily enough, I, I did okay. Um, had a pretty decent game, and uh, after that, we sat down with Spence and uh, went over the scholarship um, offer, and it, it was good enough to, for me to want to come. It was my only <laughs> only offer, uh, D1, besides a couple other smaller schools over on the East Coast. So it was a pretty easy decision for me. Uh, otherwise, I was going to go to the JC route, 
um, to a college in, in Triton in Chicago or to mm-hmm. Columbia Basin in Tri-Cities. And, uh, you know, when they offered, uh, it was a pretty easy decision. And uh, it, uh, I'm very happy that, that it happened that way. Right. You, you came into Oregon State a couple years before uh, Darwin Barney. And I, I was talking with Darwin you know, right after the 2017 College World Series. And he had this feeling all the way back when he was in high school that Case was building something really special in Corvallis. I mean, you, you did predate Darwin a bit. But did you get? Did you also get that feeling in high school? Did Did you know that you were coming into something special, or was that not something you saw really until you got here on campus and, and began playing? No, honestly, I didn't see it coming when we were when we were freshmen. Uh, the first two years, uh, we knew we were good and we competed in the Pac-12, but it was just tough to win those games at the end. Uh, I know we were we played Stanford and we played all the the teams that uh, were a lot better than us at the time. Um, and I know we always competed till the end, but it just it just seemed like there was there wasn't really the culture there yet. There was kind of there wasn't really a team identity. Kind of felt like it was uh, you know kind of the older guys and the younger guys, and it just really wasn't um, a fully a team yet. And uh, I don't know what happened over the next uh, couple of years, but I, I feel like. Um, we got, uh, you know, Gunderson and, and Buck and Nickerson in, and I, I think without one of those two, uh, we might not be sitting uh, here talking about the dynasty that uh, that Oregon State has. Uh, so we're pretty lucky to, to be able to get those three arms in at the same time, also with a lot of other um, really good players at the same time, and we ended up, uh, you know, kind of being a bunch of misfits and, uh, <laughs> and uh, hard-nosed kids from all over the place and mostly from the Northwest. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we've definitely built something that's pretty special and and that's something that's been able to sustain itself for for a long while i mean it obviously took an entire team effort there in 2006 for you guys to win that first college world series in program history and you know in some ways if you look at it that run was kind of similar to last year you know with coming through the losers bracket dropping the first game in the finals and just some breaks went seemed to go against you at times but you found a way to pull through i guess what what's it like to know that you know you played a, a significant role in, in launching as you said what has now become one of the most you know dominant programs a, a dynasty in, in the entire country what's it like to know that you know you played a, a role in, in starting that whole thing you know, it feels great. Um, it, it, it definitely didn't happen with one person or, or one coach, but um, I think it, it, feels, it feels good to be able to know what it takes and, and to know what we had to go through um, to, to start a program and to start a dynasty, I guess, back you know, 13, 14 years ago. And just to give these kids the same, the same information that we got when we were there and, and uh, just kind of the work that it takes, the preparation that it takes, the dedication, um, and all those all those attributes to to sustain a successful uh, a program, and uh, I think the the main thing is uh, just the discipline that that these kids show now and that they have to show to to sustain the success. And uh, we're just looking to continue to give these kids all the information um, to keep this thing going. I mean, you you famously caught the final out in the 2006 College World Series. Where 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 is the ball? Do you even know? Uh, the ball is at home uh, in the <laughs> top drawer. I don't know exactly if uh, exactly where it is, but I think it's at home in the top drawer. And uh, you know that was a good moment. It's still a good memory for me and for the rest of the guys. No matter who caught the last out, um, that just happened to be uh, you know the final out. But uh, without the pitching that we had that year and uh, the year before, um, I think it goes noted that the '05 team was was probably just as good or better than the '06 team. And without the mm-hmm. experience that we gained in in 2005, 
I think it'd be pretty tough to, to come home as champions in 06. So that 05 team was just as special in my mind as the 06 team that won it. Because uh, without, without that year of, of, of getting to the World Series and proving to all of us that we could be, um, that we could play at that level, um, like I said, I don't think 06 would have happened. So the kids that were on 05, Jacoby, I think Jacoby Ellsbury and Andy Jenkins were the only two guys that left us, uh, you know, going into that following season. And, and we just kind of ran with, uh, with, with, um, from the prior success in 05. And, um, we kept that up and we, we, we kept that mindset that, that we could play, play at that level and play at the top, at the top level in the country. So, um, I think it's been a lot of fun. I'm just looking back on those times. Well, after college, em- embarked on a nine-year professional career, included a-, a stint with the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2012. So h- how did you end up then from there c- coming back to Oregon State once your playing days were ultimately over? Yeah, towards the end of my career there, I'd- I broke my shoulder and uh, when I was on the 40-man mm-hmm. with the Giants, uh, fifth game of my season in, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, we were playing uh, Las Vegas when I was with Fresno. And then uh, getting picked up by the Diamondbacks and, and then back to the Giants again. And my last season, uh, it was towards the end of the year. I felt a, you know, a pretty bad knee pain in my left knee and didn't really know what it was. I've, I've had uh, a lot of knee problems before with meniscus and stuff like that and kind of minor surgeries. And, uh, you know, I, I got to the end of the season. I felt a pain that, like I said, I never felt before and ended up being uh, no cartilage left in my left knee. Um, I ended up having to have microfracture surgery after the season, and they told me if basically if the surgery doesn't work out, then I'm probably done. So I started to look at uh, you know other options. I knew I had to finish up school, and uh, you know Andy Andy Jenkins called me. I remember at the end of that year when I was in Richmond, Virginia, and and said that uh, they'd be interested in me coming back to finish school and be the undergrad, and uh, you know knowing that my knee wasn't probably going to be in the best shape to continue my career um, knowing that I have to rely mostly on my legs and my speed uh, that was one of my big tools um, that kept me in the game for so long and uh, just knowing that that it could be the end I I, I kind of opened up the idea of coming back that year and I know Case uh, had me make a deal if, if I was going to do this and I had to be all in and uh, when I got back and, and got to be around the kids, I, I found out that it was something that I really enjoyed to do. And uh, anytime you can make an impact in other people's lives, it's, a, it's an awesome job. Um, so, so once I got to, to see that, um, it was kind of it kind of made the decision of, of letting the, the playing side go and, and getting into the, the side of, of helping the kids out. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm uh, five years into it now and probably the best decision I've ever made. So many players last year, either directly or indirectly, uh, commented on just about how much you'd help them w- w- with the mental side of the game through you know, meditation, visualization, and other things. You know, Trevor Larnick in particular, I, I, he talked, uh, I remember he was mentioning your name uh, on a conference call with the Twins right after he was drafted. And he was just saying, you know, about how, how much this kind of he almost made it like sound like a mystery man that helped him out. He wouldn't say your name and a lot of the local media were kind of poking and prodding him. And Trevor didn't want to throw throw you out there. But but everyone, you know, knew it was you. Uh, Tyler Malone has been very open about talking, you know, talking about what you've done. Uh, Kevin Abel as well. So I guess what, when going back, when, when did you really kind of start to get into the mental side of the game and, and really start begin focusing on, on meditation? 
You know, I always knew the mental side of the game was the most important part of, of getting kids uh, to the big league level. Um, a lot of kids get drafted, and a lot of kids are very talented, obviously, at the, at the D1 level as well. But also, if you, if you get drafted, uh, you obviously have the talent. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, talent's only going to get you so far. Um, talent is great. But without the mental side, we just really can't get to where we want to get in life, not only as baseball players, but as but in any profession. Um, the mind holds you back or it can propel you to some amazing things. And uh, three years ago, uh, I was introduced to meditation by an old teammate, Brock Bond. Uh, he had bugged me uh, countless times before um, to try meditation and I kind of just blew it off. And, uh, you know, just like everybody else, um, just really didn't know what it was about. I really hadn't uh, researched it or learned about it or heard about it. And uh, I know we were, in, we were playing UCLA three years ago and he was teaching transcendental meditation in uh, Santa Barbara. So I took an Uber. Um, he taught it to me uh, the next couple days and uh, I just kind of made a commitment that I would I would try it uh, you know for a week and if it if I didn't like it then I could quit but I made that commitment to Brock that I would at least try it and give it an honest try and uh, you know ever since that day or the couple days that I did it with him in Santa Barbara it's been a it's been part of my daily routine and it's uh, it's honestly changed my life and uh, it's helped to change some of these kids life too it, I just know that there's so many thoughts out there that people get um, there's a lot of mental health issues with anxiety and depression and uh, stuff like that and I think if, if we can slow the thoughts down it's not necessarily you know getting rid of the thoughts it's just kind of knowing what to do with the thoughts and and I don't think a lot of people understand what to do with their thoughts like I like uh, like I didn't um, before I started meditating and uh, you know now that that's part of my uh, daily practice it's uh, it makes each day um, so much better there's a lot less to think about and uh, you can kind of just stay in the moment and be focused on what's going on right now and uh, I know everybody talks about wanting to be able to do that but there's not a lot of people that that can actually do that so I think it's 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 great to teach that to these kids and to give them just a tool um, just to calm the mind down and just to get relaxed um, I think we'd all agree that um, life and, and baseball is a lot easier if, if we have a calm and, and quiet mind and our, our bodies relaxed so um, it's just another tool to give to these kids to help them out. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, a, a lot of it isn't necessarily avoiding the thoughts, uh, the negative thoughts. It's about what to do with it. And I, I think you've mentioned to me in the past, a lot of it, it of this is really pretty simple overall. It's just getting people to have control of, over what's going on in their own minds. Exactly. Um, you know, thoughts thoughts are nor good nor bad, as we, as we tell the players. Um, the biggest thing about meditation is why people won't do it after the first time or they say they can't do it is because they they either say they get too many thoughts or um, they can't get rid of the thoughts and and those two things are, are correct but that's not what meditation is about meditation is just about being aware that we do have thoughts i i, there, I know there's studies harvard studies and um, scientific studies out there we get more than seventy-five thousand thoughts a day um, and so it's obviously telling us uh, to completely get rid of thoughts is kind of like telling us to, to stop breathing. It's, it's not going to happen. But we can, we can let, let it be known that, uh, you know, thoughts, thoughts are just thoughts and, and we can kind of just let them pass by. And it, yeah, and like you said, it's more about 
um, just knowing that that thoughts are okay they're not good nor bad and that we're just we're learning to redirect those thoughts um, to things that aren't a thought and uh, you know we can do that with our breath and, and filling our body and, and stuff like that so yeah it's it's, it's more about um, just being aware of, of those type of things and, and now that our kids are I think it's uh, it's a lot easier for some of them to go throughout the day I mean, Kevin Abel, I just know from talking with him, he was a really highly touted prospect out of high school, uh, just dominant, dominant high school arm. And anyone who watched him throw in his first fall here before his freshman year could see just the electric stuff that he had. But, you know, early on, you know, first half of his freshman year a season ago, he, he did struggle and was having some confidence issues. And I, I know that at times he would let maybe a, a bad umpire call get in his way. Uh, other things would, would just invade his head. And I, I think that it did impact his performance. I know that you I did this pretty early on or at some point with with Kevin so I guess when did you really begin to, to work with him and what how did you kind of how were you able to get to him and what did you do with him to mold him into the pitcher that he became during that stretch run you know Kevin's like a lot of the kids that come in they're highly touted and I think they just put a lot of pressure on themselves to do well right out of the gate um, it's an uncomfortable environment when you come into a new place um, you're no longer the the man that you were, the the guy that you were that dominated your high school. Um, back in high school, everybody knows what you're capable of and everybody's seen it. But when you come to a new environment, anywhere, whether you get drafted or come to college out of high school, um, we're always trying to impress other people. We're trying to impress our coaches. We're trying to impress our teammates. We're trying to impress our fans. And as we all know, this game is uh, hard enough as it is when we're completely confident and uh, we believe in ourselves and uh, we feel very good inside and outside. Um, we know this game is still very, very difficult. So when we have these outside pressures or what we call drama, you know, thoughts that, and things that we can't control, let us kind of dictate our, our success and failures, uh, the game gets really tough. So, um, you know, knowing, that, knowing how good Kevin was and, and knowing that we probably had to have him um, be pitching well by the end of the season to give us a chance to win the World Series. Um, you know, we just tried to, you know, try to get to get down to the bottom of what was causing um, him to fail. Um, usually, it's always thoughts. So if we can change the thoughts that they're having, um, we can change their, we can ch can change what's happened physically with them. So um, after talking to Kevin, we kind of identified some things that was that was holding him back. And then we just kind of developed a plan also with Alan Jagger um, mm -hmm. of just a kind of a process of a couple good things to think about um, every pitch and to, to, to practice that during practice and to practice it in his bullpens and to practice it when he's throwing. So it just became easier to get back to his two good thoughts during the game. And I think, uh, you know, I think everybody in life can, can get to this process uh, you know, two things that, that they can think about throughout the day that, that gives themselves themselves the best chance to succeed at whatever they're doing. Um, when we get um, thoughts about the past and the future and, uh, you know, worried about what other people are thinking about us, all those type of things really impede uh, the success that all of us can have. So with any kid or any person, we just try to, we try to figure out, um, you know, what they're thinking about and what thoughts they're having that are preventing them to have the most success that they're um, capable of having. Kevin's thoughts were, was that uh, breathe and stand tall? Was that, is that what, what he tries to think about on the mound? Yeah, breath, uh, stand tall, and commit. Uh, mm -hmm. He knows uh, when he stands tall, um, he can be on his backside, so it's kind of a mental cue um, for his mechanics. 
And then uh, committing just means he's committing to the pitch that's called. So he's not second guessing mm -hmm. whether Nate's calling it or, or, you know, Troy or Adley's calling the pitch. Um, the commit cue is basically he's, he's committing to the pitch that's, that's put down there and he's fully committed to that pitch. He's not second guessing anything. And uh, he's just standing tall and letting it go. And, uh, and those are the two thoughts that Kevin has to have that, that he feels that gives himself the best chance to throw the best pitch of his life every pitch. And, uh, you know, obviously the process can change throughout the season or um, throughout a week. It's, it's just whatever the kid feels that he has to think, um, you know, to give himself the best chance to succeed every pitch. And uh, for um, stand tall and committed is Kevin's. And, and like I said, it can always change. Um, but it's, it's the kid's decision. Uh, you know, I'm just here to help um, guide them and also Alan and, and Nate does a terrific job with the mental game as well and uh, it's nice to have uh, a bunch of people working uh, you know for the same thing um, we're all here to help the kids and, and whatever we can do to help them out uh, we're all in for so how, how widespread has meditation become on the team uh, how, how many of, of the current players kind of do this you know you don't have to necessarily go through name by name or anything but just about, roughly about how many guys are, are now doing this with you you know there's 10 to 12 kids uh you know there was eight or nine kids that did it every day last year um there's some kids that that aren't as consistent with it but all i know is the the kids that are really consistent with it and make it a, a part of their daily routine um have tremendous results um not only on the field but off the field as well and uh, you know, it's not it's not easy to get everyone to buy into it, and and that's okay. It's not for everybody. And uh, all I can do is you know continue um, to to give them information about it, and just to let them know uh, you know other people that that may be successful that they look up to um, that might do it, and it helps them out. Um, but in the end, like I said, it's all about the kids, and and we're just here to give them as many resources as possible um, to give themselves the best chance to succeed on a daily daily basis, whether it's in baseball or or in life. You know, when we were talking at last year's College World Series, I know you said that uh, eventually you thought you probably wanted to get into coaching. Is that still kind of your your end goal with all this to to become a, a coach? Absolutely, I think that uh, you know all of us aspire to be to be a coach and. Uh, like I said, to, to help out these kids in any way possible. And right now, um, my position's more on the mental side, um, so that's what I'm doing right now. But uh, that doesn't mean that, that down the road, uh, if a coaching role opens up, that I wouldn't uh, be happy to take that. Um, but right now, I'm focused on, on whatever I can do here in my position at the time. Um, to help these kids as much as I can, uh, just like all the other coaches that are here. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm very lucky to be a part of such a great coaching staff and um, a great program, a great culture, and, uh, and, and obviously it all starts with the kids, and uh, we have unbelievable kids um, with character and uh, obviously talent. They're very talented. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to get to work with uh, some of the best, um, the best kids as far as character goes that uh, anyone can be around. And I think we're all extremely lucky, um, you know, to have, uh, to have the kids that we have here at Oregon State. And then finally, I guess with, with regards to this year's Oregon State team, there's certainly a, a lot of positive energy kind of surrounding the entire program. I think we can all see it. Are, are, are you excited then to, to see what the guys are going to do down here on this field in, in front of the home crowd after some mo so much time on the road? I mean, might not, not be super warm this weekend, but uh, I bet it's going to be a really good atmosphere for, for these, you know, the team's first home game since, since winning their, their last national title. It is. I think Arizona was a great start to the season. A lot of excitement. A lot of kids got their feet wet. 
Um, a lot of people got to see the type of team that we, we could have and might have. And, uh, you know, we don't worry about the rankings. We don't worry about um, what's going on, but, but what's going on with us every day. And uh, these next three games are the most important uh, games of the year for all of us. And uh, I think everybody, um, including the coaching staff and, and obviously the kids are, are extremely excited uh, to get home and to get playing, to get to play in front of the home crowd um, after last year. This is a completely different team, but I think there's a lot of uh, excitement and it's going to be a really, really fun year for, for not only the fans, but uh, for all of us uh, in Beaver Nation. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for uh, braving the cold and uh, coming on the show with me. I think we, we survived up here. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Bob. All right. I'll see you. I'll be back at the park this weekend. Price Financial Group Wealth Management. Navigating through today's financial investment world can seem pretty scary. Now, here's the good news. Chuck Price, president of Price Financial Group Wealth Management, introduces a new revolutionary concept that will change how you invest now and in the future. It's called Asset Lock. Asset Lock monitors your investment accounts 24 7, 365, and alerts you when action needs to be taken. And now, Chuck Price offers Asset Lock. At Price Financial Group Wealth Management, we believe all our clients deserve to have Asset Lock monitoring their accounts. So call Chuck today or online at pfgwm.com and learn how you can get Asset Lock on your accounts today for free. Price Financial Group Wealth Management, because the smart investor knows what you don't know can hurt you. Simplify. Call 503-253-3000. That's 503-253-3000. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Reeser Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Tyler. As you can tell, he's a super, super sharp guy who really understands the mental side of the game. Tyler is just an invaluable asset for the program, and I really do think it's only a matter of time until he's he's coaching somewhere. He's he's clearly got everything it takes and the drive and just a hard worker. He's a really talented player whose career was cut short due to injury, and I think he's going to make an amazing head coach someday. I know throughout all of last season, I was just I was fascinated by by how much meditation seemed to help so many of the guys on on the team, and I really I'd been meaning to sit down with Tyler for a while, so I, I'm glad that we were able, you know, we were we were finally able to do that. the The West Virginia series that I referred to will run Friday through Sunday at Goss Stadium. Start times are scheduled: uh, 5:35 p.m. Friday. 1.35 p.m. Saturday and 1.05 p.m. Sunday. It does look like uh, we should get sunshine over the, the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You know, temperatures won't be super high, probably in the 40s. So I'd recommend dressing warmly uh, if you plan on attending Goss Stadium. Friday could be a bit iffy. We'll have to see what ends up happening. I, I don't think 
we've ever actually seen snow for a, for a game at Goss Stadium, at least in, in recent memory. I was actually talking with Tyler off the air a little bit about that. Growing up in Montana, he couldn't even really remember playing in snow. So maybe we'll we'll make a little history this weekend or on Friday because it, it would be a little it might be a little fun to see a sprinkle here and there of snow at Goss, but I I guess maybe it would be best for all if, if that just stayed away. I was also checking out the stadium and, and the new party deck down the right field line appears to be almost done. It's been rightfully named Casey Corner, and uh, I, I think that's just going to be a great addition to the park. The Oregon State men's basketball team, uh, those guys enter the week alone in third place in the Pac-12 standings at 9-5, and five, uh, ju- just a half game back at Arizona State. The Beavers are, are set to host Arizona at 6 p.m. Thursday, and will then face the Sun Devils at, at 5 p.m. Sunday. Needless to say, these are two uh, critical games for Oregon State as the NCAA tournament still remains somewhat within reach, probably will will ultimately take winning the Pac-12 tournament. But, you know, the Beavers go 4-0 down the stretch here to close the regular season. I I do think that would be in contention for a bubble spot. With just one win over the weekend, the Beavers can get to 10 conference victories uh, for the first time in nearly three decades. There's no doubt the the Pac-12 is down, but that that would still be a huge accomplishment for Wayne Tinkle's team. The Oregon State women's basketball team, uh, they close Pac-12 play this weekend uh, at the Arizona schools. Friday's game with Arizona State will begin at 5 p.m., and the Beavers are then set to play Arizona at 2 p.m. Sunday. If Oregon, uh, which is currently uh, remains in first place all alone at 14 and two, so if the Ducks were to drop a game this week, Oregon State could actually earn a share of the Pac-12 title with a sweep. Uh, Stanford, which is tied with Oregon State for a second in the Pac-12 at 13-3, uh, Stan- Stanford is also in the conference title picture as well. And so it, it should be a pretty crazy Pac-12 tournament as those top three teams, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, are, are all fighting to be placed in, in the West Regional for the NCAA tournament. And that the West Regional, that would mean uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games being held in Portland. Oregon certainly does have the inside track to being the the number two seed nationally in that region right now, uh, considering they are in, on pace to win the Pac-12. But but I think Oregon State or Stanford could have a shot at grabbing that number two seed if one if one of those could actually win the Pac-12 tournament. We'll we'll just have to see how this all shakes out, and it is going to probably be a pretty pretty crazy tournament in Las Vegas. As always, I really appreciate you guys tuning in to the Beaver Buzz podcast, uh, part of the ThatCast podcast network. Please, please check us out on ThatCast.com, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we're looking at a, another relatively busy weekend with games at Gill Coliseum and Goss Stadium. So hopefully the, the weather holds up for baseball and we can get all those games in. Uh, Everyone, enjoy enjoy all the action this weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at ThatCast.com.